moving to get more. Turn to a few people and greet them and as you may be seated today. Man, Abraham is one of the heroes in the Bible. He isn't uh, described as a, a mighty man like Samson, uh, a man of great strength. He's not described as a great warrior like King David. Uh, although Abraham did have some experience in battle. He actually did go to battle and he did go and fight against uh, other nations or other uh, cities and, and armies, uh, he did quite well for himself being uh, an older man, 75 or 85 years old, however he must have been at that time. But he did go out and he did go fight um, a war. Um, we read in Genesis chapter 14 uh, of a battle between kings that went out to fight. Um, there was four kings that went out against five kings, and, and Sodom, uh, king of Sodom and Salem and all these, I don't have them all here, but you can read them for yourself. But they went out to, to war and to battle, and the uh, four kings defeated five kings. And that's obviously a good, uh, a good odds to overcome. Uh, and so that shows the, the strength of uh, of these, the armies of these four kings. And in this battle uh, that was won and lost, depending on what side you are on, during this battle is where uh, Lot got captured. He got captured and he got taken away as a captive because he was on uh, the losing side. And we, we see uh, Abram come uh, to fight against uh, these these kings because they took his they took his nephew and um, uh, he had to have loved Lot a lot to to go and fight for him um, and so he did that and so but we see that uh, Abram actually defeated these nations these kings these armies and he he was able to conquer them and he was able to uh, win this battle we kind of see a little bit here Genesis fourteen fourteen when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. Though, so mind you, that uh, the four kings, their armies defeated five kings, and Lot got caught up in this. And so Lot is now part of the four kingdom, uh, king kingdom, and Abram heard about this. And he's, he said, I got all hands on deck. All my guys, we're going to go get my, my nephew, um, and uh, we're going to go fight for him. In verse 15, he divided himself against them, he and his servants, and by night, and he smote them and pursued them on the Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. So here this, this man is who we, we know him as the, the father of faith, just a gentle man. 
And Abram and his 318 servants hunted down these four kings that took Lot captive. And now, granted, these four kings had just conquered five kingdoms. Uh, and, and so um, either the five kings were not any good or the four kings were really good. Uh, none, nonetheless, here come 318 servants, not warriors, not trained army, not Navy SEALs, not, uh, not Green Berets, not these special forces, but just Abram's servants. It's all he had was his servants that helped him plow the fields or, or, or whatever there was. And so here comes 318 servants led by an 85-year-old man with a walking stick, and they're coming. They, we're coming after you guys. And you can imagine in any, I guess, normal situation where these four armies look at these guys and they just probably laughed at them if they got that opportunity. But what happens is what we're told is that Abram and his servants whipped up on these four kings and their armies. They, 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 they annihilated them somehow, and we know it is by the hand of God that helped Abram do this thing. Uh, and so it doesn't matter how old you are or how much or how little you have. When God is on your side, you can go up against armies, and you can defeat the armies of the enemy. All you need is God on your side, and God will work out the details. You just got to step out in faith and say, hey, I got to move to get closer to God because he's going to make a way. I don't know if, if Abram had the faith. Obviously, he had faith to leave his house uh, to go out to the wilderness and start a, start a new life out there. And I don't know what he had in mind when he says, Let's, let me get all my guys and we're just going to go. I mean, maybe he, he obviously had to have some kind of faith and confidence uh, to go and attack four armies and defeat them. But Scripture says that they took everything back, all the spoils of Sodom and Gomorrah and the two cities, uh, worth of, of treasures. And that is really the only account of Abraham going to war. Uh, and so I guess he retired after that, uh, being a general. And I know I would, being undefeated, 1-0, might as well retire. Sounds like a good time to retire. Being 85 years old. 319 men versus four kingdoms, and we won. So what else do we got to prove, right? I mean, we're, we're the champs. And so you can't really get better stats than that for an old shepherd man. Um, and so it really wasn't until Gideon came along that uh, we see even greater numbers uh, than Abraham. Up until that point, uh, Abraham had, the, uh, had the, the gold medal there, like, 319 men versus four armies, and he wins. But Gideon comes along, he beats his record. He had 300 men versus 125,000, and Gideon was uh, triumphant in that. And so, uh, but obviously it's all because of God was on their side. Numbers don't matter when it comes to God. God likes to be on the underdog side. He likes it when his people are outnumbered by the enemy so that God himself can show up and he can show off his strength and his power and he can annihilate the enemy. Why? Because then all the glory goes to God. That's when God gets the glory, when you and I know that it was nothing that we did, but God himself showed up and he made a way. Because if, if we know that we can do it on our own and we go out and win, are we going to give God glory? We did it ourselves. God didn't do anything. And so that's why a lot of times in the Bible uh, we see God's people are outnumbered. And I think that might be kind of on purpose. 
If we just submit to God, we'll, we, we'll be outnumbered, but that's okay. The God's going to show up and show off. And I'd rather see that battle than me trying to go out there and do it my own way. I like when God does it because when, when God wins, he wins uh, 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 totally. He defeats the enemy totally. He has ultimate victory, and he can do a much better job than you and I can. And so submitting to God and let him have in his way, we can have great testimonies and great stories of our life. Uh, we're not Abraham, we're not Gideon, we're not David, but we do have stories in our life where God showed up and brought us out of a situation, and he made a way where there seemed to be no way, and we know it was only because of God, and we worship him, we give him praise, because he alone did it, and we're not going to take any kind of glory away from God when it all belonged to him. And so Abram was one of those guys that you just didn't want to mess with. If you found out too late, then it was too late. Uh, he may not have looked deadly, but you did not want to be the one to find out if this old man can really fight. He killed thousands with a stick. Um, uh, uh, Samson killed thousands with a jawbone, and, and he, he defeated many of the enemy by the hand of the Lord when the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him. Uh, and so when God shows up, anything can happen. But Abraham can be looked up as a, a biblical hero, and we do. He is a hero of the faith. Uh, and we strive to believe like he did and to follow in the faith that he had. But he still was just another man like you and I. He was just a normal person like you and I. He had his own flaws. He had his own weak moments. Uh, and too often we idolize people and, and make them perfect in our eyes when really they're not. They, we, we make them out to some kind of superhuman or superhero and they don't have any flaws, but uh, in the Bible, we have these heroes, but we have to understand they're just like you and me. And if God can use them to be a hero, he can use you to be a hero. He can use you to tear down the kingdom of darkness uh, and, and destroy and pull down strongholds because God doesn't care. He's not a respecter of persons. He just needs somebody to say, hey, God, I need to get closer to you. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to move to get more of you and let you have your way in my life. And so they, the people just struggle with like you and I. They have the same flesh, same sinful nature that we do. But the great thing about the Bible is that it's not just a, a highlight reel. It's not just all the, the good, uh, happy uh, uh, pictures that are on social media where everything is perfect and staged. The Bible is full of, of stories where we see the details, the good and the bad. We understand that they, went, they, they had times of weakness and their faith kind of failed them at times, but yet they're just like you and I and that should help encourage us that, hey, we're just like them and we're fighting the good fight of faith and if they can make it, then we can make it. If, if God brought them out, he can bring me out. If God delivered them, he can deliver, deliver me. If he healed them, he can heal me. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what God did back in Abraham's day, he can do it today as well because he doesn't change. He's always the same and so we need to look to God and we need to draw closer to him amen and so uh, Abraham wasn't always full of faith he is the father of faith of the faithful but he wasn't always full of faith we are told here in in, in the scripture in Genesis 13 uh, that it, it, he did go down to Egypt and we all know what Egypt is. Egypt is a bad place. It's uh, representative of the, the world and uh, apart from where God has called his people. Uh, but there was a famine in the land. And 
Abram decides, well, I'm going down to Egypt and getting some, getting some, some supplies down there because up here is the wilderness. Uh, there again, in my opinion, is, is, is a lack of faith because God brought him all the way out of the earth of the Chaldees into the middle of nowhere. And if God can do that, don't you think God can sustain them in the middle of a famine, that God can provide a way? Uh, even though everyone else is hurting and suffering, God's people, God will make a way for them. And so Abram ran down to Egypt. I don't necessarily think that's what God wanted him to do, but he did it anyways. And he ran down there, and um, uh, he must have left his faith back in Canaan because he was afraid of his life. He shows up to Egypt, now he's afraid, afraid of his life. Somebody's going to kill you. And, and, and if you're full of faith, you know, uh, God's not going to let anything bad happen to you unless it's his will. And if it's his will, then, it, then who am I, Right? But Abram was afraid of his life. He thought he was going to be killed. He, what happened to God, his protector? What happened to Jehovah Jireh, my provider and protector? But he goes down to Egypt, and now he's like, he's afraid of his life. So he's not in a good, strong uh, place of faith here at this moment. And uh, uh, he, he tells his uh, wife to tell them that he's his uh, sister and so that they won't kill me and that now his wife saves his life instead of God. He's putting his faith in his wife instead of God delivering them and bringing them out. Uh, and so uh, did God not just give you a promise in the previous chapter? Had, had he not received the promise? Had he not heard the voice of God? And so why, why Abraham, are you down in, in, in Egypt not making good choices uh, when, when God has provided for you and made a way? And so obviously Abram was kind of still young in all this, just leaving behind uh, and starting a new life. And yeah, when you're young in the faith, you make mistakes. Even when you're older in the faith, you're still, you're still, you can still make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. We never reach and attain a level of perfection where we no longer make mistakes. We're still human. We still have this carnal body and a, a carnal mind can come upon us and we can make uh, bad choices. But um, uh, we still need to learn to trust in God and not forget what all that he has done for us and where he's brought us from. And so even though we're talking about one of Abram's low points, how many of us can relate with Abram as a low point in life? How many of us have heard from God and yet we have doubted God at times as well? And, and yet we can be encouraged by that because if God can turn a doubter into the father of faith, what can he do with us and how much potential you and I have, what can God do through us? We don't need an, an extraordinary amount of faith. Uh, Jesus said that all we need is a mustard seed of faith. And we can speak to our mountains. We can tell it to cast in the sea. And, and, and we can do that as long as we believe in God. And so we all come in here uh, this morning and... Surely we can find a seed of faith among all of us. Surely we can believe for the impossible today because the people of God have gathered together. Surely I believe that somebody can be healed today. That somebody can walk out of here. Why? Because we're in the presence of Almighty God. And all we need is a little bit of faith for God to step out and do something. And so uh, we know that God can do anything. He just needs some faith to work and activate. And so... Uh, Abram first heard from God in Genesis chapter 12, as we read, to come out from his uh, father's house. And God told him to go to a place where I will show you. But scripture does not record that he 
believed in God until Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15 and 6, and he, Abraham, believed in the Lord and he counted it unto him for righteousness. That's the first time that scripture says that he actually believed in God. Now obviously, he's got to have some kind of faith if Abram is going to be leaving his house to go to an unknown land. Uh, so he has, to have, he has to have some kind of faith. Um, but how much did he really believe in, in God in this, before this time? Maybe he said, well, I've got nothing to lose. Let's see what happens. Or just kind of like, well, well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I, I heard a voice and I thought it said to leave and to go out to a land. And, and I, I haven't really seen any proof of that yet. And so uh, we see him actually starting to leave uh, his, his house in Genesis chapter 12. But Genesis 15, the, fine, the word of God finally says, and he believed in the Lord. And it was counted unto righteousness. And so I wonder if we would insert our name into in Abraham's place, and uh, we departed, uh, departed our place, and we went out to where God wanted us to be, and we heard God say to us, I will make you a great nation, I will make your name great. Now, if somebody comes up to us and says, man, I've got an opportunity for you, I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be, you're going to be uh, powerful, you're going to be mighty, you're going to be wealthy, you're going to be blessed, and uh, you're going to do all these things. Um, people are going to probably say, well, where do I sign? That sounds good. I mean, why? Because we're thinking about ourselves, aren't we? We're kind of a little bit selfish. Oh, my name's going to be great, and I'm going to be blessed, and I'm going to be a nation. Uh, and, and so how much of Abram's actions in the beginning was actually uh, full-blinded faith, or, or I wonder how much of that, of his action, was that, uh, maybe a little bit selfish. Because he can leave his father's house, and he, he can become a great nation. So I wonder if Abram was leaving and saying, man, I, if I leave here, my name's going to be great. I'm here in the Ur of Chaldees, and there's a king there, and they have their old structure, and obviously I'm a nobody in, in the Ur of Chaldees, but if I leave my name can become great, and I can become a nation, and I'm going to be blessed. And so uh, we know it took some faith, but I wonder how much uh, of, of Abram's moving was actually maybe a little bit selfish. And so what does he do? Abram gets to Canaan, and the Lord appears unto him, and he tells him he's going to give, him, give this land to his seed, and Abram builds an altar. Uh, and so what does he do after that? Abram keeps headed south. But didn't God say, this is the land that I'm going to give you for you and your descendants, this land. And so uh, wouldn't you stay in that land? Abram didn't stay there. After that happened, where did he go? He headed down south to Egypt. Why would you, why would you leave the land that you just heard from God, that God said, I'm going to give you this land for you and your descendants. And you say, man, that's great, Lord. I like it. I, I receive that. And then after that, you say, oh, I'm going to head down to Egypt and i got to go and get some things. That kind of really doesn't make sense, right? I mean, uh, you know, unless maybe you're looking out for yourself or selfish reasons or whatever, but uh, we do that all the time. We can hear from God and we're saying, well, that sounds great, Lord, but I, let me go finish these things up real quick and then we'll, maybe we'll get back to that uh, when I'm ready. Not when you're ready, but when I'm ready. Uh, and so maybe Abram wasn't ready for that. I don't know. We don't, we don't, we're not provided the details of why Abram built an altar to God received the promise of this land and said, okay, it's time to leave this land and go to Egypt. 
And so um, maybe Abram thought, well, if I'm going to be a great nation, I'm going to need resources. And I know Egypt has a lot of resources, so I'm gonna maybe I'll maybe I'll go down there and get resources for myself. I mean, I've I'm gonna be a great nation, so I gotta build these things up, and I gotta get some stuff. I, I need to move to go get some more possessions because if, if we're gonna do this uh, thing, God, then um, uh, I gotta get ready for myself. And uh, I'll tell Sarah's my sister; they'll bless me, and they'll give me all kinds of possessions, and I'll. I'll increase my stockpiles, and after all, if I'm going to be a nation and, and my name is going to be great, then that, that ain't going to happen with these clothes and with these shoes and these old, this old beat-up car and camel and, and wagon. i got to get some new stuff. And so maybe Abram went to Egypt to try to make himself great and kind of work that in with God's plan. How many times do we try to, we know God's will and his plan, but we try to say, well, let me help God out a little bit. Let me do this and this and this, and then God will come in and do this and this and this, and we're, we'll work together as a great team, and, you know, we're, we're in this together, Lord, you and me. And let me just do it, half of it my way, and the other half will be your way. And so Genesis 13, and Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Here's the truth of the matter. When Abram left Egypt, he was a whole lot richer than he was when he went into Egypt. And that was his own doing. He became rich of his own doing. Uh, God, God can bless him and, and do whatever. But, but Abram went down there, kind of told a half-truth, a half-lie. And all these things kind of worked out, and Abram got blessed by the king of Egypt because the king of Egypt heard the voice of God, and he, did, he feared God, I guess, more than Abram did, and said, Abram, what are you doing? This is not your sister. This is your wife. Why are you trying to bring these curses on me from the almighty God? Here, get out of Egypt. Take all this gold. Take silver. Take all this cattle. Get out of here. I'm blessing you because I don't want the almighty on me. The king of Egypt is doing this and telling Abram this. Abram's the one who received the promise, not the king of, e uh, of Egypt, but yet here the king of Egypt is saying, you, I, I need to listen to God. And so, all right, Lord, and, and Abram is coming back. I, I'm coming back. I'm ready to do this. I went and I got all these resources. I'm, I'm even more blessed. I've got plenty of possessions to be great and, and to bless people. Uh, but still, we are not told that Abram believed God. We're not for a few more chapters that we're told that Abram believed God. And, and maybe looking at the, his actions in Genesis chapter 13 and 14, maybe it doesn't look like Abram believed God. Because he was out doing his own thing, getting rich by himself in Egypt. That God's hand wasn't really there. He didn't direct him to go and say, hey, go lie to the king down there and I'll, I'll make him do all this stuff. We just see that Abram just kind of went out on his own. And, and so uh, uh, God was wanting to do it through a seed of promise, but Abram was determined to do it through pursuing prosperity. He said, I'll, I'll make, uh, I'm going to be a great nation, great, I know how to do it, let's build up some wealth and do these things. God was speaking spiritually through, uh, through Abraham, but Abraham was thinking physically and going out and getting all the physical goods and, and amassing the materials and all these things. And, and so how many promises has God spoken to us and we try to figure out how it's going to happen? 
We start making plans and implementing ideas and strategizing and calculating and, and the numbers have to add up, otherwise we can't do anything. Uh, and, and so God says, when you get it all figured out, come and let me know. After you try to become prosperous on your own accord, come and see me and I'll, I'll remind you of the promise and how well, all that you did really doesn't matter to much. Because my promise is coming through a seed and your, your promise you think is through material blessings and you're going out and doing things your own way. And so uh, when has man ever pursued it his own way and ended up where God wanted him to be? When we pursue it our own way, we always end up way off, way off, somewhere off course. And then we, we finally humble ourselves and say, God, help me out and get me on track and bring me back to where you want me to be. And then God, by his grace, shows up and says, hey, let's come. Let me help fix all your mess, mistakes and your problems and your pains and failures. Help, I'll help you get back on the right track. When we do it our way, we don't end up where God wants us to be. We end up down in Egypt in a mess. And God says, hey, that's not where I called you to be. I called you up here to the land of Canaan, so come back up here, and maybe we'll try this again. Maybe, maybe we, need a, we may, may, I need to come at it from a different angle or something. And so we can easily, man can easily manufacture blessings. Well, that doesn't mean that we're necessarily in the will of God, does it? Abram went left Egypt, and he was blessed. But is that really what God wanted him to do? I think God would rather have Abram stay in Canaan and, and just completely trust in God and that God would make his way, uh, his way happen. What happens when we, when we manufacture our own prosperity is problems happen. Genesis 13 and 6, And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. Verse 17, There was, a, there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray, between thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we uh, be brethren. This is after, mind you, this is after Egypt. They come back from Egypt. Now they're back in the where they should be. And now what happens? There's strife. There's problems now because they're 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 too blessed. Uh, they, they've got too many goods and, and they can't get along and there's strife there, strife and, and controversy and contention and fighting and adversity now is in our midst. Why? Probably because you picked up that spirit out in Egypt and you brought it back with you. And now it's working uh, against you and working against what God is trying to do in your life because maybe you shouldn't have went there. So when we try doing things our way, we end up creating a big mess of things. Friends and family members start bickering and, and everyone is on edge and tensions are high and, and people start turning on each other and, and jealousy and envy and, and strife ensues and, and all these works of the flesh. Because when we try to pursue spiritual promises in the flesh, in our own minds, by our own ways, if we sow in the flesh, we will reap in the flesh. It's nothing more than a manufactured blessing and it turns into a disaster. What else did Abram pick up in Egypt? Hagar. And we know what happened with the mess that that created. That, that was from Egypt. He brought that into himself. 
all the things you go and pick up in Egypt and you bring it back into your home, it's going to cause strife and it's going to cause lots of problems because we try to manufacture things and do things on our, on our own without, without just moving to let God do have his way in our life. James 3.16 says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. God help us if, we're, if there's envying in, our, in the church. God help us if there's strife among the brothers and sisters. Because if there's envying and strife here in the church, guess what else is here? Confusion and every single word. We don't need to do that. We don't need to be uh, striving with one another. We need to rebuke in those thoughts, those spirits, because we are the body of Christ. That Those spirits do not belong here. They do not have any authority or power over the people of God. And we need to love one another. We need to encourage one another, uplift one another. And be praying for one another because we don't need any of that in here. There's enough of that in the world out there. And so God help us if we allow those things into our personal life and we allow them to bleed into the church because we decided to go down to Egypt and do things on our own. When we pursue God's promise and prosperity in the flesh, we try to figure it out and we do it ourselves. We, we don't need to believe in God. We don't need any seeds of faith because we'll do it on our own. We are sending the devil an invitation to come and crash the party. If you want the devil to reign on your parade, he will. If you, if you sow in the flesh, if we manufacture things ourselves, we are making an environment for the flesh and for an opportunity for every evil work to come in and, and start wreaking havoc amongst us. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. After Lot leaves, God comes to Abram and reminds him again of the promise. And I think it's starting to sink in a little bit because Abram is starting to realize that I've been out here doing things my own way. And all I've gotten is a mess. Hagar really hasn't even come into the picture yet. And he's going to get a wake-up call for that. But it's already, the seeds are already there. He's already brought her out of, out of Egypt. And, and, and so uh, Abram's starting to realize that uh, I'm trying to make myself a great name in a nation. I've become prosperous, but now I lost my family member. I lost Lot because we had to split ways. Maybe I'm doing it the wrong way, and, and maybe God's got all this figured out, and after all, God appeared and spoke to me three times now. Maybe I just need to listen to God. Maybe I just need to stop pursuing this on my own and, and start believing in him and, and start moving to have more of him in my life instead of moving to get more possessions. And so we start to see a shift in Abram after this in chapter 14 because he's, he's not the same person anymore. He comes back and all this stuff happens. He, there's a, we can see a little shift, a change in him. He's starting to act differently compared to what he used to which tell us, tells us there might be a change that happened. After hearing about Lot and getting his men and conquering those four kings, he, our text told us that Abram had all the spoils, and being the conqueror, it was rightfully his. I mean, you go and you, you defeat four armies, uh, whatever they had is now yours. 
All those possessions are now yours. He fought it. He fought the battle. He won the battle, so he gets a prize money. But, but after the battle, Abram does something that he's never done before. The Bible tells us that after this, he pays tithes. He pays tithes to Melchizedek, a tenth of all that he has. And Abram gives all the spoils back to the king of Sodom. And says, I'm not taking any more than I, I just want my family back. I don't need anything extra. I, don't, I can keep all of this gold, all, these, all this bounty, all this silver, all of these possessions. I can keep all of that because I, I defeated you and I, they're mine, rightfully mine. But uh, Abram gives them all back to the king of Sodom and says, I'm not taking anything more than I just really need. Because I'm done pursuing things my own way. I'm starting to learn to trust in God. Genesis 14:22 and Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my eye, my my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. I don't need any more stuff now. I don't need any more stuff. I, I'm done chasing God's promises on my own. I, I'm done trying to figure it out all by myself. Now I'm turning my hand to God. God's going to provide for me now. I'm going to put my trust in Him. I'm putting my faith in Him. He is the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. And, and after Abram perfect, confesses this, he turns his hand to God and then watch what happens. Genesis 15 and 1. After all these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. The reward you've been looking for, Abram, in Egypt, possessions, don't worry about that. I am your great reward. Isn't that true? Isn't God really our reward? If God is not our reward, if God is not our everything, what, what more is there? If God cannot supply our need, if He cannot sustain us, if He cannot provide for us, then, then what else is there? If God is not our reward, what are we pursuing? Are we just kind of using God to get to something else? What, what else is there? What, what more do you want besides God? And that's where Abraham uh, kind of uh, got lost a little bit. He was pursuing things, but come to find out that just a relationship with God, that's all you need. He is my great reward. Uh, I don't need any more stuff. Uh, I'm done chasing God's promises on my own. Uh, and so I am thy, he is my great reward. Fear not, Abram. You can, you can stop worrying now. You, you've turned your hand to me now. You can stop trying to figure it out by putting your trust in me now. Uh, don't stress, Abraham. I am thy shield. I'll go and fight. You saw me, how I protected you and helped you defeat those armies. I'll protect you. And so let it go, Abram, give it to me, and I'll be your shield, and I'll be your exceeding great reward. I'll be all that you need, Abram. I'll be all that you need. Stop trying to pursue your own rewards and turn your hand to me, and I will be your reward. God is saying, I've been waiting for this moment. I've spoken to you three times before now, trying to get you to believe in me. I've kind of let you kind of go do your own thing, make your own mistakes, and you learn from that. But now, but you've kind of been too busy. But now, now that you're turning to me, now that you're trusting me, I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to protect you, and I'll be your shield, and I will be your exceeding great reward. And then we finally get to Genesis 15 and 6. 
6. And he believed in the Lord and it counted unto him as righteousness. It only took about 10 years for Abram to get to this point. Left when he was 75 and this is probably about when he was 85. I'm glad that you finally made it, Abram, where I want you to be. Because now that you trust in me completely, now that you've surrendered your will and your way, then you will really see me begin to work in your life once we will completely surrender God. And so, Abram, now that you've got some faith, you're going to start to see the miraculous happen in your life. You're going to start to see things move in your life because now you've turned your hand to me and now that you've acknowledged and you, you know that I am the one in control and now that I can be your reward, what else? What other reward is this world going to provide? What kind of rewards are in Egypt that are greater than God? If he is my reward, I'm not going to care for what's out there in this world, am I? Musicians, if you would come. And so when Abram got serious about God's promise and, and became dependent on him, that's when, when, when he took God serious, that's when uh, God took Abram to the next level of faith. Genesis 15 and 18, a few verses later. In the same day that this happened, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed I have given this land from the river of Egypt unto the river, great river, the river Euphrates. And so this is the first time now that we see the language where God is making a covenant with Abram. He didn't make a covenant with him in Genesis 12. He said, Come out. I'll show you a land, and I'll, I'll give it to you. But we see God knew what Abram was going to do. He was going to go off and try to do things his own way. And he's not going to make a covenant with him in that, that situation because Abram wasn't ready. Abraham wasn't at the right place, the right point of faith. But once he finally acknowledged that, hey, I'm done with these pursuits of, of, of pleasures and, and possessions, that I'm going to look to God, and he's going to be my great reward, that's when... God steps in and says, I'm going to make a covenant with you now. Now you're ready. Now you understand. Now you can see uh, by faith and walk by faith. The first time we see Abram uh, making a covenant with God here, uh, 10 years after Abram first heard God's voice, a covenant now has been made. Because what happened? What changed? What initiated this covenant? Abram got tired of worrying. He got tired of fighting. He got fed up trying to figure it out all on his own. And finally he said, I give up, God. I give up. I'm turning it all over to you because I can't do it anymore. I, I've done all of this, and all I've done is made a big mess. I lost my, my nephew Lot and uh, all this strife and all these things to my left. Uh, I can't make the promise come to pass. So I just got to trust in you, Lord. Not my will, but thine will be done. And so, and when Abram did that, that's when we see the, the shift happen. That's when we see uh, God coming down and say, hey, now I'm going to make a covenant with you. Because I know, I know that you know you're not going to try to do it on your own. And so if you stand with me today. Jacob the deceiver had a similar story. For years, he was pursuing his own prosperity. 
He was manufacturing his own blessings. But there came a day when Jacob got tired of it all. After all the wealth that he amassed and, and, and all the possessions that he had and all his herds and cattle and, and all those things were, were so much, there came a day when that none of that mattered anymore. He heard his, his, his brother was coming after him and he feared for his life and he, he sent them all on ahead and says, I, those, don't work, those ain't going to save me. Those ain't going to protect me. Those ain't going to keep me. What's, what's going to keep me now is me getting a hold of God. Me turning my hand unto the Almighty, the, the maker of heaven and earth. And so um, he got tired of the stress, the strife, and he couldn't do it on his own. And so he realized now it doesn't mean what I thought it means. The possessions of this world don't mean what, they don't have that meaning anymore. They've lost their meaning. I thought I was in control of my destiny, that I would take care of it. But uh, I worried about this and uh, worried about that. But years have passed and I'm older now. And I realize that none of this stuff really matters, does it? People, people tear apart families because they're all pursuing after something. Strife and envy and a confusion and every evil work comes in and just makes a wreck of their family, a wreck, a wreck of their home, all because the pursuit of, of some kind of worldly possessions. When God is here, just saying, hey, just look to me, and I'll be your exceedingly great reward. I'll be everything that you need. But you got to surrender. you got to acknowledge that He is in control and that we need Him more than ever. And it and it was that, that night that Jacob made that confession, that, that God showed up. Why? Because Jacob had finally let go, and he finally turned his hand to God and said, God, I, I can't do it anymore. I've come to the end of my ability. I can't deceive my way out of this. My brother knows who I am. I can't do it now, but I need you. The most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. And when Jacob got serious... With God. God took his life to the, to the next level of faith. And God changed his name from deceiver to Israel. Now you're not a deceiver. Now you have power with God. And when, when men come after you, now they have to answer to me. Because you've submitted to me and now I'm, I'm responsible for your protection. I'm responsible for your, the food on your table. I'm responsible for the provisions in your life. And I'm responsible for your, your healing and your deliverance. Why? Because you acknowledge who I am and you've surrendered yourself to me. And when we do that, when we surrender our lives completely to God, God steps in and says, now uh, I'll take care of it. Now if anything comes after them, they got to deal with me. Can I tell you today that God is not short on power or promise. He does not run out. He has, He's the almighty God. The answer to our problems is to give them to God. The answer to the things in our life, the turmoil in our life, is to surrender them to God and say, God, you are the maker of heaven and earth. You will be my great exceeding reward, and I just surrender to you. If we want to see revival, then we just got to surrender to God. 
If we want to see the promises of God, we need to, we need to move to get more from God. Not, not move to get more for ourselves from the things of this world. But we need to start moving and aligning ourselves with God and His will and His way. We need to start moving ourselves and, and moving our schedule around so that maybe we can do a little bit more fasting. Or maybe we can dedicate more time to God. Why? Because we're moving to get closer to God. We stop trying to figure it out on our own. It's not our revival, it's God's revival. It's not our kingdom, it's God's kingdom. And if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that's all God asks for his people. He doesn't ask them to go to Egypt and stock up on supplies and, and go and do this and do that. All God says is, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their ways and turn to God. That's all God needs. Then will I hear from heaven and then will I forgive their sins and I will heal their land. And so if you're having financial problems... Let me guess, you may be trying everything you can and selling this and that and, and moving these assets around or doing all this or picking up extra hours and extra jobs and, and holding on to every nickel and penny. And I'm not making light of that. We need to do that and be responsible. But do you know what the Bible says about financial blessings? It's not holding on to your money that gets you blessed. It's letting it go. It's just giving it to God. That's, that's where the blessings come. See, when we hold on to it, we're manufacturing it and we're calculating it out. But when we just lift our hand up to God, as, as Abram did, and say, God, it's all, it's all for you, Lord. Uh, he says, uh, Jesus says, give it and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. And so when we stop trying to figure all these things out, there God is ready to step in and make a way. If you're going through tough times, I know we try to figure it all out. Stop trying to manufacture a good result from it. We're going through hard times. We don't need to get our calculator out. We need to get our hands up. We just need to surrender to God completely, and we need to cast our cares upon Him. Why? Because He cares for us. And so today, I wonder if we can make a move just to draw closer to God. I know we, all, we make moves all throughout the week and in our jobs and our lives. We're making these moves to, to maybe better ourselves and to some degree. But the greatest thing that we can do is to take a step of faith towards God and start moving to get more from God as opposed to this world. If you've been oppressed with worry and stress, you just need to lay those things down on the altar. God knows your needs. He knows what you're going through and what you're dealing with and what you're fighting. The way for God to come in and do a miracle is when we let go of them and we just lay them down and said, God, I'm done. I'm done pursuing it my own way. I'm done chasing after my own desires and my own solutions, God. I'm going to surrender to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. What does God require of his people? To seek him and his righteousness. 
Where does it talk about our talents and our abilities and our possessions and our, uh, our skills and how we can fix things and how we can work all these things? God doesn't say, I don't need any of that. All I need is people just to seek me and to surrender to me. Because we know that when we do that, God has complete control. So if there's anything in you need in your life, I want to open up these altars today that you can come and just surrender to God and say, God, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of worrying about it, God. I know that you are in control. I lay them down before you today. I'm tired of trying to pursue it my own way. God, I need you today in my life. Would you come? Let's worship the Lord together. We cry out to him today. We turn our hands up to him, the maker of heaven and earth. God, let me move closer to you. Take a step of faith today. Cry out to God and say, God, you know what's coming. You know what's going, what I'm going through. I'm just going to take a step of faith. Well, let's worship the Lord together. Let's get more from him and less from this world. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, let's worship him together. Search me, Jesus. See if there be any wicked way in me, God. We worship you. Make a way. We worship you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mighty one. Well, let's worship him together. Mighty Hallelujah, one. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship Hey! 
years old when he finally really truly believed and trusted in God it doesn't matter how old you are what matters is, is when you finally begin to trust in God and God really begins to do a mighty work in your life man the younger that we are that come to this the greater the blessed we are I mean we all wish that we came to God even earlier don't we but that's not that's not important what's important is, is getting a hold of God and finally trusting in Him and believing in Him that these things in the world, things that Egypt has to offer doesn't mean anything. When God is my reward, I've got everything that I need. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed today in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget about our Sunday school that we started out at 930. Man, you want to pick up the devotions out there and be connected with your uh, yourself and your family and your children. Man, the books are out there. And this Friday night, we got the late night prayer meeting. Man, this week we're consecrating for him. Amen. Continue following that and believing in Jesus' name.